Well, good morning and welcome once again. And uh, last week we started a series, and uh, it was we titled it "Troubleshooting God." And uh, of course, you can go back and listen to that episode if you missed it, and I encourage you to do so because there's some really good stuff we got mashed up into this one, and we're going to continue on with that today. And uh, just to recap a little bit, troubleshooting is when we have a, a problem. So we go back and we look at some of the basic things that we could do to fix the problem. You know, if you've uh, ever looked back on a manual, they have a guide in the back called the troubleshooting guide. So it has all the problems listed out you might be experiencing and how you can go, you know, press the reset button or take out the batteries or whatever you got to do to make that problem go away. And a lot of times we are in a situation where we feel like that God's not hearing us, God's not answering us, God's not listening, God's not doing, and that's simply not the case because that's not the way God operates. So if the problem's not on our on his end, it's got to be on our end somewhere. So that's where we have to troubleshoot the situation and go through the basic steps to find out why our prayers aren't being answered. And it's, you know, a lot of things, it's very simple when we talk about it, you know, to have faith, believe, and all these kind of things that we throw out there. But in actuality, in action, it takes a very little bit of a lack, and we get off track. We fall away from these different things, and we're missing a step. We're missing a piece of that puzzle to make everything come together. And that's why we need to, to troubleshoot. So let's just stop right there for a moment and uh, have a word of prayer, and then we'll get back to it. Bow with me, please. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to get into your word today, Father. It's asked you to take myself out of the way, Father. Let your true message shine through. We ask that we open our hearts and minds to receive it, Lord. We ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. So uh, we, we brought to the, uh, the starting point, and it was three different things we talked about last week. Was First of all, that we have to be covered by the blood of Jesus. We have to accept Jesus into our hearts. He has to be part of us. For because when, whenever he made that one-time sacrifice, he ripped the veil, and that there's no longer a need for sacrifice. He was a one-time sacrifice. There was no longer a need for us to go have to go through any kind of person. We don't need any kind of special kind of tools. The blood of Jesus covering us allows us to go directly to the Father. We can talk to Him directly, just the way we are talking today. But we have to have Jesus first for that to happen. The second thing we talked about, and it's something that should be ingrained in your mind because we talk about it all the time, is faith. That we have to have faith. We have to believe that God can do what we're asking of Him. We have to believe that God will do what we're asking of Him. And we have to be fully persuaded that He's going to do that. We can't go in it halfway. We can't be lukewarm. We can't be, well, maybe. We can't have a backup plan. We can't have all these things that take away from our faith. And then we, uh, I mentioned that part of that is also that can God do it? Does God still heal? Does God still answer prayers? Does God do all these things? And can he do it? with what he has is his power still as strong and as good as today as it was when it was written down in the word of god and the answer is yes of course god does not change 
The only thing that changes is our image of him, what we think about him. And we try to put him in a box and we try to limit him and we try to make him mold into our ideas of how we think things should be done. And that's simply not the way God works. So uh, let's look at some other things that might be holding us back from our prayers. And to get us started today, let's look at James chapter 4, verse 3. Ye ask and receive not, because you ask amiss. You may consume it upon your lust. Well, the thing is, we oftentimes ask God for things that are not good for us. It's not good for the kingdom of heaven. It's simply not in his will. And we, we know what God's will is. And as we talked about last week, oftentimes when we're lacking in that faith, we uh, will say things like, well, God, if it be your will. You know, and that's the saying, well, God, if you want to. We know what God wants to do. God wants us happy, healthy, whole. He wants to give us the desires of our hearts. He wants us to be fulfilled. He wants to give us an abundance. But he doesn't want us to be corrupt. He doesn't want us to be ruled by idols. And the thing is about God, he knows how we're going to respond. You know, we, we build up ideas in our head. You know, we say, well, if I only won the lottery, I'm going to give all this money to charity. I'm going to do all these good things. I'm just going to be, you know, just a magnificent person and use it for so much good. But God knows how you're really going to be. And God looks at what you do with what you have now. He also looks at our attitudes about what we have now. Are you faithful with a little or not? Because if you're not faithful with what you have now, if you're not giving what you have now, it's not going to change when you have more. Because the same things, and we've talked about it, the things that drive us to be to gather up, to hoard, to keep things for ourselves. You know, part of the things of the original sin and the fall of man when it causes us to do these things. Those things doesn't change when you have more. And you see countless people that have fortunes. More than we can imagine. More than it can be spent in a lifetime and what do they do? They keep wanting to grow that pile, grow that portfolio. And we don't see them doing anything positive with it. We don't see them be giving. We don't see them being generous. We don't see them helping humanity. We see them being self-serving. God knows these things. And let me put it down onto a perspective that we've all probably been there before. You know, last week we talked about in our lack of faith that... Oftentimes, we're, we go to God as a last resort. We've tried everything else that we can do in our power when a problem is missed, and then out of desperation, we turn to God. Or that we should have went there first 
It's our last resort because nothing else works. And then we see ourselves in such desperation that we're not asking God for something. We are begging him. Begging God is not an act of faith. Turning to God as a last resort is not an act of faith. We should turn to God knowing he's going to see us through our problem in the first place. But another thing we do is, out of desperation, is that we negotiate. Well, God, I'm in this situation, and I got this problem, and I need you to help me. And listen, listen, God, I got a deal for you. Here's what I'm going to do. If you help me through the situation, this is what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to come to church every Sunday. I'm going to pay my tithes. I'm going to be a good person. I'm going to quit drinking. I'm going to quit smoking. I'm going to do all these different things that I do, and I'm going to do it, and it's all going to be for you. Come on now. I know that somebody's done that before. And then we have this other little thing that we do. You know, we talked about last week how uh, when you have a personal experience with God, when he answers your prayer, when he does it in a way that's just so fulfilling that when he touches you, when he gives you comfort, when he gives you that peace, there's nothing else like it on earth than when you have that personal interaction with God. And then you, you get that and you feel that. And you're feeling good because your faith is built up. Your spirit is built up. All these things are built up from this interaction with God because God is good and you're just overflowing with it and you feel good. So what happens is that little conscience on the inside starts. It starts going off because you're into the light. You're into God and you're feeling things on there. And it's starting to say, well, hey, there's certain things that we might could work on. That we might could do better because when you truly have a heart for God, you want to serve God. You want to do good by God. And then you're amped up, you're feeling these things and you want to do that. So you start to evaluate the things in life and then it's like, okay, we got to start making some changes. And then you do that thing again. Okay, God, here's what I'm going to do. We're going to fix this. 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 But we stop talking to God about it. Because there's one thing for, because it all boils down to we're trying to do something on our own. So over time, what happens is we fall back into old ways. We fall back into the, the ways of the world because we got all that pressure put on us. Because when we're trying to do good and we're trying to do better, we're trying to serve the Lord, that's when Satan's going to push on us even harder. But what we don't do is we don't go to the Lord and ask him to help us and to see us through. We try to do it on our own. We're trying to be pleasing on him. We're trying to do it in our own power. And God doesn't want us to sit out there and struggle. You know, the Israelites were the perfect example of that. Every time they turned around, they're trying to push God off to arm's length and trying to do things on our own. Just give us some rules, God. We'll follow them. We'll do with this here and like that and We'll follow the rules and we got, we can do it. And then what happens is they fail because they want to keep God over here. And God wants to be right here with you. He wants to be with you every step of the way. He wants to help you. He wants to see you through. But you have to allow him to do that. We got to get to that point where we want to walk with God. We want to go hand in hand 
We want Him to be a constant presence in our lives and not just there out of desperation, not, not there out of, out of need. We want them there all the time. That's what God wants. God was in the mist with Adam and Eve before the fall. He was there with them. He walked in the cool. He was there. And that's what he wants to be. He wants to be with us. He wants to help us. God is our source. And we look for everything else to be a source. We look to other people. We look to things. And the answer always comes back to God. God is our source. So let's look at 1 Peter chapter 3. And we're going to look at verse 7. Likewise, ye husbands dwell with them in accordance of knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as to the weaker vessel, as their hairs together of grace, that your prayers not be hindered. How's our relationships going? See, because God tells us that we, we come together. That's the purpose of why we're gathered here today. We are to come together and to be like-minded so we can pray together because it amplifies our prayer life. So we can see the benefit in that. When we're in trouble, when we have a need, what do we do? We reach out to others. What can I do for it? Well, you can pray for me because that amplifies our prayer life. It amplifies our prayers. And 3 and 7 tells us that our prayers can be hindered for not having a, a positive relationship. Husbands and wives become a unit. They come together as one flesh. So they both need to be in the same mindset, working for common goals, working for a common prayer. You know, it's like uh, if you, you think about it like an election. If one person votes for one and the other person votes for another, you just can't, that family has been canceled out because they've accomplished nothing. But when they come together, then you have power. You know, everything, common theme with God is unity. We are all family. We are all brothers and sisters. We are the body of Christ. We are God's hands and feet. Everything brings us together. And we see that in contrast of the world because the world wants us to divide, divide, divide. You remember, the world's always going to come against what God says. Satan wants to do the exact opposite of what God says because God is the truth, the way, the light. Satan wants to break that up, give you a false image of God. So he wants to divide us up. 
He wants us to split. He wants us to be put in, in separate categories, divide us by race, provide religion, by gender. He wants to do all these different things so we don't have that unity. And we see that every day now in the world is division, division, division. Every time there's a choice to be made, it puts us in two different camps or more. Division, division, and we just keep getting divided up more and more over things that don't matter. There should only be two divisions, believers and non-believers, and the believer group should be approaching the non-believer group and making that group smaller and this group bigger. That's the only division there should be. The division that started in the very beginning. All this other stuff that we are divided about is petty world stuff that doesn't matter. And we let our relationships be damaged by things that don't matter. And it hurts our prayer life. We go up and down the road and we see church after church after church. And most of them look like this one. Fairly vacant. Lots of seats. Lots of places we can come together. But all every time a new one springs up is it's because of division. And it's been happening since the very beginning that man wants to inject his idea. He thinks he can do it better. So he wants to break off. Or they hear the truth of God's word and it don't sit right with them because it's not what they're doing. It's not what they want to do. And they go and split off and go do something else. Or maybe the entertainment factor is better somewhere. Or they want to do something different. It's a division. We have a hard time being forgiving. We have a hard time compromising. We have a hard time letting things go. And when it comes down to it, when it's between the Word of God and everything else, there's only one choice. There's only one thing that matters. And also we can get so caught up in trying to convince or change someone's mind to our way of thinking. And maybe sometimes we're not always 100% right. As we study the Word of God, we get better. We know more. More pieces of the puzzle come together. We mature. We grow. And we become more entangled with it. My perception of the Word of God is different today than it was six months ago, than a year ago, than six years ago, because it's constantly evolving. It's alive as well, and it's changing us. But yet, we get so rigid sometimes in our ways of thinking that we don't even leave any speck of room that we possibly could be wrong or have something just a little bit off kelter. And that's a, a theme of this whole 
study we're doing here is, is that, well, I believe I'm doing everything right. It's got to be God. And no, it is never God. God's got this under control. He's not the one making mistakes. It's us that's making mistakes. Let's go back to James 5. Five, fifteen, and 16. Harbored sin. And in 15. And the prayer of the faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up, and have committed sins, and they shall be forgiven. Confess all your faults one another, and pray one another, for they be healed, and the effectual favor prayer of the righteous man availeth much. All right. Now, these are good verses. There's not a bad verse in the Bible. These are good verses. But they can also be used in a negative light. Man has always had a way of taking the Word of God and trying to twist it to make it fit his agenda, his profile, what he wants it to so let's get down to what God is really telling us here. You know, we are all sinners. There is no if, ands, us about it. We were born into sin, born a sinner. And you know what? We're going to be sinners until the day we die. We're covered by the blood of Jesus. We are forgiven from our sins, but that doesn't turn it off. It doesn't forget, for keep the flesh from doing fleshly things. It's not an end all. It's a aid. It's to help us. So, we are going to sin. And sometimes we have things that we harbor inside, that we keep, that nobody else knows about, and that hinders us. Why? Because we know what we're doing is against God. It's wrong. But yet we continue to do it anyway because we don't want to give it up. And we have things a lot of times that we have done and we don't want to do it anymore. But the one thing we haven't done is, is to talk to God about it. To let him know God, I know I did this thing, whatever it may be, and I repent. I regret what I've done. I know my actions were against whoever or whatever, and I know that it was against you. It is not what you want from me, that you want more. You want me to be better. And God will forgive us of this. We are forgiven from past, current, and future sins, but we have to ask for that forgiveness. You know, John the Baptist, he was walking around, repent, repent, repent. God wants us to acknowledge our sin. He wants us to come to him with it. He wants it to lay it down at his feet. And then 16, confess your faults one another. And I'm going to say something politically correct, incorrect rather, that uh, I want to stereotype a little bit 
But I know that there is, in churches all over the place, when that verse comes out, there is some body that's sitting in the back and they're just rubbing their fingers together because they're just waiting for someone to come forward and to tell them some juicy gossip. They want to know about everybody else's sin so they can point and they can judge and they can laugh and they can cackle. But that is not what this is about. It is not about tearing people down. It is not about being judgy. It is not about your entertainment. We are to confess our faults one another so that we can help each other. So that we can pray for each other. For example, let's say that you've got a habit you want to, to give up. Maybe you're under the influence of a drug or alcohol or tobacco or something like that. Let's just for us say, let's say you want to quit smoking. You know it's bad for you, it's bad for the people around you. You just uh, that you just don't feel that it's a very good image. You're supposed to be representing God. You're not putting out a very good image because you're doing these things. So you want to quit it. Well, if you don't tell anyone else, first of all, you've got to take it to God. You've got to let Him know what you want to do. And the difference is between harboring the sin and battling the sin is this. When you harbor a sin, you want to hold on to it. You want to keep it. You want to keep it a secret. You want to keep doing it. You want to allow it to still happen. You have no desire to give it up. But when you're battling the sin, there's going to be times that you're going to fall back into it. We never talk about change. Change is hard. Change is hard. Addiction is a hard thing to overcome. Habits are a hard thing to break. And there are all these things that we are fighting in the flesh. So that's what we have to rely on God. And of course, we are going to fail multiple times. There's not many times we can just lay something down and it's over with. That's an unrealistic expectation for most people. So we are going to fall back. We are going to fail. We are going to pray to God each and every time that we do it. And each and every time it's going to get a little bit easier and a little bit easier till finally you overcome. And we do things in God's time. And through that... We wait upon the Lord and we build faith. But when we confess to one another, when we have a, a solid group of God-fearing people that know what the power of prayer can do, know where our responsibilities are as a believer of Christ, and we turn to them and say, hey, I got this problem. I got this addiction I want, I want to get over. Will you pray for me? And then what are we doing? We are amplifying that prayer life. We are allowing others to help us to bring down the power of the kingdom of heaven right down here to earth and take care of this problem. You remember uh, them apostles? They were trying to bring this demon out of this boy. And uh, it didn't work out for them. They got scared. We're running back to Jesus and Jesus had to go handle it himself. You know, we get in situations like that where sometimes that the, the situation is a little scary. 
Because uh, I always imagine that they, they started doing their thing. They were laying hands. They were praying. And all of a sudden, that demon started to manifest, and it was scary. Could you imagine that? It just started popping out there at you, and then, oh, oh that's a little too much. But Jesus, he wasn't scared of nothing because he knows the power of the Lord. And he went out there, and he took, and he got it out of there. And he told him that some things can only be handled through fasting and prayer. And we need that. We need that unity. We need to amp up our prayer life. Because some of these things that we got a hold of, some of these demons, you know, they're still here. These dark forces that come against us, that slip into that, them cracks in the arm, they're here, they get into us, and they get a hold. they got a deep, deep root. And we need help to get them loose. But when we see, see our others, when we know them troubles... We, uh, we can pray for each other. Young lady this week, she had to have some work done on her eyes. And I, I feel for that because I am not an eyeball person. Leave my eyes alone. You can mess with anything else, but I just don't want no part of that. I feel for that. It's scary. It's scary anytime we got to go get any kind of procedure done. We got to see a doctor. We got to do these things. And uh, a lot of times we don't want to talk about these kind of things because we're scared. And we don't want anyone to know that we have anxieties about anything. And we don't want to seem inferior or weak in any way, so we kind of harbor stuff up. We don't tell nobody about it. But she did the, the right thing. She did what God wants us to do. And she, she came to us as a church and said, Hey, I need prayer. I'm facing this. I'm nervous. And I need everything to be all right. So we, we all prayed for her. And guess what? She's doing well today. Praise Jesus. We need to come together. So let's, uh, let's recap. We got to do away with our harbored sin. We got to work on our relationships and we got to look at our motives. Why do we want what we want? Is it really going to enhance our lives? There's been many a people that's been rich, there's been many people that's been famous. That's decided to take their own lives because stuff doesn't fulfill what God can give us. That sense of peace. That is what we're truly after. And you know, you have to, to look at Paul. You look at Peter. In times where they were locked up in prison, in bad situations, in peace. Not for anything not because of any circumstance, but because they had the peace of the Lord. You know, sometimes we ask for things that's not even in God's will. We want to win the lottery. We want to win the lottery. Like that's the only source of income in the world is winning the lottery. And God don't even have authority over the lottery. That's a man made thing 
that's given you an image of man. If you look at the paper it's printed on, all it is is a piece of paper with an image of a guy on it that represents something else. And we've talked about it in detail why God can't do that. And there's an episode you can go back and listen to and find out why God's not hearing your prayers about your lottery. God don't care if you have stuff. God wants you to be successful. But he would much rather give you a multi-million dollar idea and let you work for it and let you build it up than he would ever give you some magical numbers. We get confused sometimes that God's not a genie. He is our Heavenly Father. You know, we've been people, we get frustrated with other people. It's, it's part of life. How many of us have ever, God, will you just please deal with this person? Will you please just take care of them? Will you please just do away with them? What we forget is, all we see is a person that irritates us, that has done us harm, that we don't like very much. But that's also a brother or a sister. That's also one of God's children. You know, we look at the acts of the people sometimes and we wonder how God could ever love them. Same way that we love our own. The same way that the people in our lives do bad things and we forgive them and take them back. The same way our children irritate us and they break things and they break our hearts, but we love them because they're our children. God feels that way about each and every one of us. The way that we feel special about ourselves, that's the way everyone should feel. And don't get me wrong, there's times that God will eliminate a threat when it's not going to benefit the kingdom, when it's hurting so much. We've seen that. There's still a, a formation that could possibly still be Lot's wife that's encased We all have work to do. That's our homework. What is our wants? Why do we want them? How will it affect our lives? God's not going to give you that brand new boat if you're going to go fishing on Sunday. And relationships don't have to be reciprocal. It's your heart. It's your unforgiveness. That's the problem. And no matter what difficulty we're keeping inside us, and what we're trying to overcome, God has an answer for it. God can see us through. His grace is sufficient. So now it leaves us with six. Believing, knowing his will, faith, 
relationships, our wants, and unchecked sin. Come back next week and we'll do a few more. Bow with me, please. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to get into your word today. Father, we thank you for the, the many blessings, Father, you give us. Father, we ask that we open our hearts and minds to receive this today, Father. That we can take it out and use it in the world, Father. Be able to sort through each and every situation. To be able to see our faults and where we fall short and where we're not doing the right thing, Father. Open our eyes to it and give us direction, Father. Father, there are many people today, well, Father, I know they are looking for direction, looking for a place that have not taken these first steps that have not taken and prayed the prayer of salvation, Father, that have not accepted Jesus. And we ask that they will come forward today and take care of that situation, Father. We know there are some that are struggling with faith, Father. We know that they need help. And we ask that they can find a place, Father, where they can grow in faith. We ask that these other things can come to light, Father, we talked about today, that we can see them and use them, Father, and that our prayer life will be strong, our prayers will be answered, and our relationship with you will be healthy, Father. We ask this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.